Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and with me is a man here who is uh, currently the favorite to replace Adrian Heath at Minnesota United's Logan Stump. I won't be this year, though. Like They, they need no, to struggle they, like a couple more He signed years. a two-year deal, right. didn't he? So we yeah. got a bit. <laughs> Adrian out. Hashtag Adrian out. Let's get started. Let's get laminated. No, you know who already has it started is uh, is Mark Fangmeyer. <laughs> I see him post that every year. <laughs> I love Mark. Mark was commenting on the uh, the poor Philadelphia fan base. Yes. Man, just absolutely yeah. getting wrecked this year. Just absolutely. The EGOT of sports losing is what he said that they are currently in the hunt for. Yeah. They're winning the treble as a city. And, and by winning the treble, <laughs> they're losing the treble as a city. You know, and you know, I you know, I feel for my Philadelphia brethren, but I'm only a Union fan because I'm not actually from Philly. So these other ones did not affect me um, at all. So I guess that's that's good for me, right? Um, but yeah, so uh, super, we're recording this. We're live Monday after the Super Bowl. So I'm sure there's tons of people that are just now waking up from their partying after the Super Bowl. Kansas City is just waking up, and they're going to hear us talk about sporting Kansas City. So that's why we decided let's not go live in the morning. We'll go live at 6.45 p.m. Eastern time just to give Kansas City people time to sleep off the late night. You know, being on the West Coast is probably the best if you are a fan of NFL football, not so much a fan of EPL. Then you're waking up 4 o'clock, but I'm so envious of the West Coast people. Uh, People like my friend Casey, uh, who does some other podcasts with me, he's a West Coast fan that watches football all Sunday. Those games start for him at like 10 a.m. And by the time Sunday night football is done, it is like eight o'clock and they could still go do something like you can still be like, oh, I can go catch that movie that I wanted to see tonight. So, so lucky over there. Um, I guess that's a big question I have going forward before we jump into these teams, not to make the episode longer. But when we're looking at MLS and we're looking at now that they're kind of not tethered to national TV. Is MLS Cup during the day, or is this becoming a nighttime game? I think Fox is still broadcasting them linearly for MLS Cup for the first few years, so maybe it'll still be an afternoon game, but I like night games, man. We need MLS After Dark, MLS Cup Final is what we're is what I'm hoping for at some point, because I think that's fun. Like a Saturday night at, you know, kickoff at uh, 7 o'clock, it'll still be over by 9. Um, if it goes extra time, it's over by 10. So maybe you start at six. I don't know, but I'm just thinking it would be nice to have like a proper prime time kickoff, especially I, I think Apple might like that too. I don't know. I was going to say you could, you could do the six thirty kickoff like Fox does with the Super Bowl. Uh, the great thing about soccer is that it'll be over by eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock, unless you have like halftime shows or something like that. I, I, I'm guessing the league will eventually get to that point where well, they were at that point before 2007. Yeah. I remember I was at MLS cup still an afternoon game then, but they had Jimmy eat world as the halftime show in 2007. So that was a pretty high bar. 
All right. They were like one hit wonder at that time. They they started getting some other songs, but you know, uh, that was when they were trying to be the NFL when they're like, we're at neutral stadiums. We got a halftime show. I'm kind of glad that they're not at that anymore with the, with the halftime show, but I don't know. Maybe the Apple money will get them that. I mean, Apple was all over it. When did they, when did Apple take over the Super Bowl halftime show? Cause it was been Pepsi for like most of my life. I feel this like is the first year, this is the first year, which is wild. The first year? That's what yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. If you guys missed it, yeah, last night Rihanna actually announced the playoff format, um, which is wild. Uh, if you haven't seen that, go back and look for it during the halftime show, uh, and then come back and yell at us because it's not actually in there. <laughs> the answer, no, the answer is like when when she's moving those platforms up and down, it's like okay, right. so that's the seventh seed and that's the sixth. Yeah, like they had the 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 steps going up there. No, but the highlight something it is still ridiculous we do not know that uh, as we approach now 12 days from the start of the season uh still no clue on playoff format how many teams are making it in none of that i at this point i'm thinking we're gonna know the day before <laughs> is kind of when i'm starting to think that's going to be announced all right, so I guess let's go on to our first team. It is the future Logan Stump-led Minnesota United current head coach, not for long, Adrian Heath here. Let's reflect on last year. They finished six in the West. They scored 48 and gave up 51. Lead goal scorer, Reynoso, that might be a problem as we go forward and explain that situation if you've been living under a rock. But I guess looking back on it, I think both of us are maybe in alignment that this was not a successful season for Minnesota United. It seemed like a huge dip. There was a time where they were looking that they were not going to make the playoffs at all. Uh, They had a good run in the summer and then Adrian Heath signed a contract extension and then they completely started dipping before rising again to get the second to last playoff spot. So Logan, I, your thoughts was this successful for Minnesota last uh, last season? Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you and I are in agreement on this team, and uh, we've got friends that are, are fans of this team, Jack uh, and AJ over at the final third, um, who are tortured endlessly with this team and and the promise that they show Jordan I, I remember covering this league in our first year and we sat there talking to Mark. We sat there and talked to Jack last year and AJ and it just seems like this team is just, it's got so much promise uh, that like it just never lives up to the hype of that promise and and what that looks like and what the future looks like for this team. But I mean, they've just been uh, to give up 51 goals in a Western conference that is pretty good defensively um, to score 48 goals and still, you know, sit sixth. uh, It's not a great goal or, you know, goal output for the season, but it's, it's not, horrible it's not one of the worst so uh you know there's room for improvement on the attack but it just seemed like the defense last year was just abysmal they did have a good thing come out of it uh which sounds funny just because we talked about how you know poor their defense was is actually their their goalkeeper dane st Clair finally stepped up and kind of proved to why he could be a top uh, goalkeeper in this league top goalkeeper in the world um i think he's got uh, you know that canada number one spot lined up uh Maxine Cripeau is probably 
Canada's number one right now, but I think Dane St. Clair uh, could easily become that uh, with just a little bit more work. But uh, you look at Robin Lud, you look at uh, Franco Fragapane, uh, Amaria. I mean, just you, Jordan, we can name, and, and you've been watching them longer than I have, and they haven't been around that long, but it just seems like it's a revolving door or carousel of just people in the attack that they just can't figure out where to go and, and get goal scorers. But I mean, that. That's what it seemed like this team was. They're just they're, they're so unidentifiable um, when you look at how they play, why they play the way that they do, and it really sucks because I think their fan base could be one of the best. So here's what I want to highlight. Right, this is kind of where they've been since 2019. Okay, so 2019 they finished fourth in the West. All right fourth in the west in the playoffs they get knocked out by uh la galaxy in the first round 2020 they finish uh i think let me just double check because i just saw it they finished fourth in the west all right 2020 but they made it to the conference final uh conference finals seattle came back from behind uh to win that game i think minnesota was leading two nothing and it was like oh my god this is nuts and then seattle wins three two all right so uh, that's that's where they were conference finals so going into 2021 we said the bar should be improving on that right maybe getting to a final or at least going up the table a bit I'm pretty sure that's what we said. That feels like what we said. Uh, 2021, where they end up? Worse. Fifth in the West. Where do they get bounced out of the playoffs in 2021? They get bounced out in the first round by the Portland Timbers. So a huge regression at that point. 2022, where do they finish on the table? Six. So the last three years, for a while, it was like two years in a row, fourth place. They get dropped to fifth and they drop to six and they go from a conference final to two back-to-back like first round exits. It's not, it's not good. Right. And then what was 2020? They get bounced out first as well. I'm checking. Yeah. Dallas won on penalty kicks in the first round, three straight first round losses in the playoffs since 2020 when they made a conference final and were literally so close to reaching an MLS cup final it's a regression a huge regression each year since that 2020 season and in 2019 and 2020 it was actually improvement both finished fourth but that conference final was like that step and you're like this minnesota team is starting to make the leap and then 2021 2022 you know falling uh falling backwards a bit yeah, last year they lost Diabasi, lost uh, Roman Mancinier. They lose him now uh, officially as a departure. Um, and his defense is just a, a nightmare going forward. And they just don't I, – I just feel like they don't have enough defensively nor in the attack around Reynoso to make a difference. Like that's what it Also, like. I got that wrong. Two straight years. I know at one point I said three straight years of first-round exits. Two straight because I was counting the 2019. I skipped 2020. Uh, but – I guess I'm predicting where I think they're falling this year. 
<laughs> my apologies there. But yeah, two straight seasons, 2021 and 2022, were both first-round exits after 2020 reaching the Eastern Conference, uh, Western Conference Final. But yeah, I mean, moving in their arrivals, it's it's not much. They get a center back, Swedish second tier player, and Mikel Marquez. Um, from everything I had kind of read, he's expected to be uh, thrown in there and maybe expected to start uh, with some of the injury issues that they have had or will have because it just seems like this team's plagued um, by uh, bad luck at times. I think uh, they go out and get Cameron Dunbar, who's a backup winger at best. He wasn't great with the with the galaxy and the galaxy were unable or they were able to unload he and Kevin Cabral for basically a bag of peanuts. But I think getting him off the books was great, but that doesn't really add much. And then you go and get Miguel Tapias, who's a center back um, who I think is actually one of the better options that they'll have uh, come from Pachuca and Liga Mekis. So, I mean, you're looking at this depth chart and you're looking at guys that will fill in and eventually replace some of these issues, you know, players that have been hurt like a Roman Metzenier, uh, or uh, if Diabasi can't go right away, then it's going to be um, one of these, you know, backup center backs. But Jordan, I just feel like this team is, they just, they try to make a splash, but it's so like small that, and irrelevant. And I feel like this team has been irrelevant since I've started covering the league. Well, let's talk about Reynoso. Cause that is the big question mark, right? If, if we're going to run it back with almost the same roster, which just like, three additions that are not like groundbreaking, but then you can't run it back with the full team because Reynoso may not be back. We don't really know what's going out on with him. He, he had problems last year, legal problems, right? And almost didn't make it this year. It's more like, uh, he doesn't feel right or doesn't feel, I guess, mentally right. Yeah. I don't doesn't want to come. Doesn't <laughs> want like to leave home. Yeah. Right. To the point where you're like, okay, I feel for him. But then when you get the suspension and the fine or whatever from major league soccer, you're like, okay, maybe there's something more going on here. Maybe he's just protesting and not coming back. This team without Reynoso who had 10 goals is going nowhere. Right. Like this, this will be something that's like he came into league in 2020 on that run to the conference finals and they were looking pretty sharp and he looked great. He never really reached those peaks again. You know, 2021, I think he had a good year. 2022 was all right. But he's still like a missing piece of this team if they don't have him. So then it's like another player you have to replace. And we all know how that is, right? When you have to replace a player that, you're not sure you're going to hit on when you, when you bring them over from another country. And that is some of the problems, you know, Reynoso came over and was immediately a hit. Okay. The next guy might not be. And then do you dwindle? Like what is going on here at that point? Do you move on from Heath at that point? Or is he like so much in with this front office that he's, going to be able to keep signing two-year extension we kind of thought he was maybe gone right we thought maybe i thought so anyway that okay that last year was the last year of his contract it's not really going anywhere move on amplically but i can't even say that but then we get into where he signs his contract the moment they had like a nice hot streak and then they immediately started falling back down again right so 
they're the big question mark right now with Reynoso. How does what is happening? Is he going to be coming over? And we shouldn't have to worry about that 12 days. Is he going to be in shape when he comes back? We don't know. How long can they go without Reynoso before he comes back and helps lift this team? Or is he just gone? It's not like they can sell him right now, I don't think. So, you know, what What do you do in that situation? Yeah, so he's got 16 goal contributions as far as assisting Goals scored are concerned, and they scored 48 last year, so that would take it down to the number of 32. Um, and obviously, there would be people playing in place of him, but still, you're not going to get the production that he has. He Jordan, he was touted as one of those, like, Carlos Heel. He was one of those special players like Hani Mukhtar. Like, he was that midfield general that really just, I think, could create chances, build up uh, play really well. Um, you build up from the back and kind of go through that midfield with him, and then he's going to provide and distribute for the goal scorers ahead of him. But the problem is, is Minnesota's never had those goal scorers ahead of him. The three in the attack are kind of like the three headless monsters. It's like, it just feels like they just don't have any kind of bite, and he's the only one with bite. I don't think he's having fun. I don't think Adrian Heath is really his guy. I think he's kind of had a, you know enough of Reynoso. Reynoso's had enough of of him i think there becomes a point where reynoso looks at this situation and maybe there's some trouble um, back in argentina where he is uh, but there, there are also some concern probably for his you know his mental health and, and what he wants to do as far as building off of a career that he's been pretty successful in minnesota so i, I just i don't know i think this is this is massive like this is if they lose him for the season um i mean you're looking at a team jordan that i i, I think could be in danger of falling all the way down towards the bottom of the Western conference with teams that they don't really belong with, but just because they don't have any kind of attack going forward without him, it's a real concern. I think for this team. Yeah. Just looking at the placement from last season, do you know how much they made the playoffs by two points, right? If Timbers had gotten one more win in that season, the Timbers are in Minnesota would still be in because that would push RSL out, but you know, it, it didn't take much for them to fall out if if possible right we're also had a down year for seattle so if seattle and portland rebound this year then i i think it's fair to think it's possible for minnesota to drop out now of course nashville's leaving the west so that opens up a spot we probably don't think st louis is going to be an immediate hit you'll have to wait for that preview i guess but the West is so stacked. It is very hard to look at this, like look at this listing on the table and think, oh, they can easily get back in again, especially if Reynoso's out for a, a long period of time. And if they don't get contributions from somebody else, you know, uh, Amaria had what, uh, nine goals for them? I didn't think he looked that great last year. Uh, nine goals, I feel like kind of favors him a bit. Like it didn't look like a nine goal season from Amaria for me. So there's this (laughs) just kind of issue of where do they go from here? This is probably the team I think in the West that is the most question marks out of a playoff team that we just saw make the playoffs. Um, I I think they have more question marks than RSL. I know we just ripped RSL probably a, a few weeks back, but or a week ago, I, I think just the fact that they might lose their signature DP 
or he might not be back for uh, whoever we don't know is a big, a big issue. And I'm, I'm expecting Seattle and Portland to do better than they did last year. So in my opinion, they're probably falling out of the playoff spots, but I'm saving that prediction for our show, the prediction show. So now it's more of a question, Logan, of what's a successful season for a team like Minnesota this season, because they've gone from fourth to fifth to sixth. You don't want to fall seventh or eighth, right? You don't want to keep falling down, but I think we have to be, I think I'm going to be the harshest I can be here. They have to improve. They have to get fourth, I think, to be a successful season. If you're spinning your wheels and you end up fifth or sixth again, or you drop out of the playoffs, God forbid, Heath should be gone, and you should actually start rebuilding this team because the fan base is there. There's a lot to do here with men. It feels like they're just kind of stuck in this limbo. I would I would go as far as to say this is going to sound really harsh, um, but I would say do not embarrass yourself uh, this season. That's the goal uh, because I think that this team is is hovering Jordan right around that significant level of just like it, one wrong move and this thing goes south quickly because I, I think and it is this Reynoso stuff. If this thing carries on or Jordan, if he pushes their hand and he's sold the window's done. Like you can't go get some of these players anymore. So you can't go get this, like you said, signature DP who is probably one of the top midfielders in this league. I mean, it just destroys the middle of that pitch. Robin Lud, I think is his backup, which he's a winger. So he's going to have to come out of that wing spot. That's usually his bread and butter. And, you know, he he's one of the only other players in this attack that kind of looks formidable. He comes out of that Jordan and, and, and this team, Oh my gosh. Like, I feel so bad for Minnesota fans just because I do know how passionate they can be. We've seen it with the Vikings. We've seen it with the Timberwolves. They're, they've got bad teams in that area for a very long time. But this fan base has just always backed them. It, it just – Adrian Heath, I, I think, loses his job this year. I think it doesn't matter how many more extensions you can really throw at the guy. I think this is the year that he – because I think this – from this point on, Jordan, you rebuild it. You have to. you got to tear this thing down. It's not going to go forward. So I'll one-up you here. I'm going to ask you another question. Is he the first manager fired this season? That's a really good one. Uh, I, You know, I'm, I'm kind of like looking around thinking about the about the guys that could be in danger, right? Uh, I, I think so. Yeah, I think he is easily number one on the chopping block. Because if I'm looking at other teams, I'd say, you know, Phil Neville's pretty safe. I, I always thought that if he had a bad year that he should but i don't think david would ever get rid of him i think bruce arena is safe i just think bruce has the pedigree so it kind of you kind of look at other teams jordan you're going okay if things aren't going for well for like peter vermese isn't going to get fired and i don't think they're we're going to get to them next but i don't think they're going to be as good this year either i guess maybe jordan ezra henderson at ezra at chicago is is in danger i think that his job just because of how bad they've been Absolutely, he could be one. But I think, yeah. What about you? Do you think he's number one? I, I think his has got to be the hottest seat out there, right? Like, I, I'm looking at just all the teams, and I'm like, some of them are in the middle of rebuild. Some of them are in the middle of just hired somebody. If you're going to give them time, like Ben 
Olsen should have time. I don't think he's going to be, but you know, they didn't really give uh, what Nagamura time, right? Or uh, Todd Ramos didn't get a lot of time. There was a whole bunch of people. I just named their, all, their whole coach. <laughs> a lot of time. But I do think Ben Olsen will get time. Uh, so I'm looking at some of these names or in some of these teams, just teams themselves. Maybe Mastro Amy, Um I would say Robin Frazier or Mastroini, even Banny Sartini yeah. and Banner. Like, yeah, Banny. those are those with Heath. But I mean, Heath would be the would be because of just it's so high, right? The bar should be high by now. You've had time to build this whole team since their inception. The bar should be high. You should be improving, not regressing. Those other people, it might be that they are they are not even reaching a low bar. Is maybe why they would be fired, right? Like. Robin Frazier was manager of the year in, in what, 2021 due to the Rapids, but huge decline last year. If that decline continues, I'm thinking the only way they're probably pulling the trigger is if he's hovering last in the West. But Heath, I could see if they're just like almost like spinning their wheels, not going anywhere in the summer. And it is, you know, they're, they're ninth, maybe not ninth because it might be a playoff spot. They're 10th or 11th. And they're like five points off. It's like, that's something that's still reachable, but it might also be the time that we pull the trigger, right? Like I I could see them maybe letting him go first in the season, but we don't know the inner workings of that stuff. So maybe he's just so buddy, buddy with them. There's no option for him to even be fired. So who who knows? Uh, But yeah, I think we both, you agree. Just don't embarrass yourself. I am finish fourth for a successful season. I'm starting to raise the bar here. How long has Minnesota been around? <laughs> it seems to go so fast for me. Right. Is that, oh, that would be my guess. 2017. 2017 was the first season. Yeah. Okay. So they've been around for one, two, three, four, five, six seasons, all with the same manager. And haven't gone anywhere. He did the same thing in Orlando. Like, he did the same thing in MLS in Orlando. He didn't have as much time in Orlando. Yeah, but but it's... It's it's the spinning of the tire thing for me. And then he gets frustrated when people criticize his work. And it's not been good work. So, I get it. How much he rages against uh, MLS. Andrew Wiebe. He uh, hates Andrew Wiebe. Major League Soccer and (laughs) Andrew Wiebe. Okay, so I guess we'll go ahead and move on to uh i was just verifying yes he was the manager the whole time that's what i thought okay moving on to sporting kansas city so hey stakes might be a little low here because they got a successful football team going on right now here but head coach is peter vermise had a really down year right they lost what two of their dps to injury last season uh which was you know alan uh polito was one of them missed like all of 2022 then, of course, you're not getting the same level of production from Salloway and uh, Russell at the time. They scored 42 goals, gave up 54. That's like a playoff spot for the Eastern Conference. They finished 12th in the West. <laughs> they finished 12th in the West, though. But, uh, again, what we're talking about with a lot of these teams that are kind of riding this line, right, is... 
the defense giving up 50 some goals. How many teams have we talked about this week in particular? They're giving up 50 some goals a season and only scoring 42 to 44 goals. The whole now, episode of course, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, that was a joke. They did finish uh, the, the bar for a playoff spot was actually higher in the East, 48 points compared to 47, which RSL had. But I was just making a joke there. They did have 11 wins, 7 draws, 16 losses. If they could have moved some of those losses to wins or a draw, then they probably could have made a spot. But they this season was just kind of like DOA right away when both of their DP, like two out of three DPs go down like that. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I think Polito was before the season even started. Yeah, it was because they, they were trying to find somebody else before the season started. Yeah, so so you have some issues with that, but let's look back on it. It can't get any worse for SKC this year, right? Compared to last year. Um. Yeah, like I would say, only because I think. I think Willie Agata is going to be really good in this league. He had eight goals in just the 12 appearances that he had last year, and I thought was really impressive, uh, kind of a starlet child as far as uh, the whole team was concerned. Daniel Shallowy, I think, plays uh, a step up from what he played last year because, remember, he and Johnny Russell played out of their minds um, in, uh, what, in 2021, right? Um, so it, not last season, season before. So, I mean, you're looking at two guys that I think have – talent i think johnny russell's kind of getting to that point where you don't really know what you can expect with johnny just because he's up there in age whereas shallowy shouldn't really have had that kind of regression he's he was one of the top players in this league a couple of years ago so uh, i think you've got a really good mix there remy walter i think is fine tommy he comes over from last year uh in the midfield um so i think that's not an issue however there's huge concern going forward and we'll kind of talk about that as we get more into skc and what we expect this year but I mean, these guys are they're, – they're all very talented. I think that this was just a town year for them last year. Um, they aren't going to be that bad defensively, I don't think. Could be, but we'll get to that. Um, it just depends on what they do to kind of fill in some of these gaps that they have. But uh, other than that, I think, you know, they've got a talented roster. I mean, having an Alan Polito on the bench, Jordan, uh, as a second option striker or whatever he's going to be, if he's going to slot in, if, if Peter Vermees is going to try to play maybe – Polito kind of above, Fogata, Agata below, above, whatever it might be, or whether it's just a second option coming off the bench. I think you've got two really good goal-scoring options there uh, and probably one of the most fruitful attacks uh, if all these guys are healthy and playing well. So I don't know. I, I'm excited about the the front at least, but we'll get to the back as we kind of get into what to expect this year. Yeah, I mean, just looking at their history here, uh, last year 12th, right? The year before third. So it was a huge steep drop they went from 58 points to 40 points this is an 18 point swing with losing those players i would say maybe salloway not being as good might be that when they lost everyone else there isn't that many more people to worry about so he's probably easy more easily marked and more easily disrupted than you know having to focus on uh the other players but i don't know i, I think i expect this team to be better uh not to skip ahead here they are bringing in a 29 year old defender tim Leibold, who is a left back um he's also got what you said you wrote is this real stats 20 goals and 40 assists 
and nearly 300 professional games. Yes, supposedly. That's As what a left MLS, back? That's oh what MLS, MLS had it. I don't know if that's right, but somebody had it on their website, <laughs> so don't come after me if that's not correct. I thought it was nuts, too. That Honestly, is... I didn't back check that. So, But 300 appearances, Jordan, that's a lot. I think yeah, yeah. if you're scoring, like, I, I could see the assist thing being correct because there are some of those, like, wing backs, technically, that become, you know, this. But I... I Double check me, anybody that is watching this, because that could be wrong. But that is literally stolen from the MLS website where it's signed. So I don't know. Okay. They had to inflate these numbers. 300 appearances is a lot. Like, that's I show, I show, hold on. I show him starting in 2013 to this year. He's only played in the Bundesliga once. The rest have been Bundesliga 2 and 3. And I show, uh, according to FB Ref, okay, 234 games. And I show 14 goals, 23 assists. Now, MLS does, this is where they're probably getting away with this here. They, they, they count the hockey assists. So I'm guessing that they were able to inflate his assists yes. from 23 to yeah. 40 because of that. Uh, but goals being 14. I, so maybe I'm just missing a, a few goals from uh, maybe cup competitions that they're not showing me here uh, I, i'm not really sure or maybe i'm not seeing it any says professional appearances jordan so that's like he could have been 16 playing in like a professional league like you know how national league yeah. and england's professional league like it just says professional leagues 300 appearances i was like for 29 year old it looked the stats looked outrageous but i just put them on there because it's fun um yeah, that is like, those are fun stats hey even if it's the f- 14 23 it's pretty good for a left back right so uh that i i think that's that's fun but i just had to double check that because i was like how what <laughs> it's playing fifa as the only my player like <laughs> he's only like. 29 i felt uh, stupid he's got, putting it in there i really did yeah well i wouldn't blame you i mean this is if, if that's what they put on their when they signed them or whatever who double checks that usually uh, it's just that sent so many alarm bells. I was like, I some don't German know guy that's the chats the the stat checker, like some guy that's been a fanboy <laughs> ever since he came into the league. He's just like, I love this guy so much. Uh, yeah, I'm betting on this guy to win the golden boots. So I gotta rack up these assists and goals. He wants the over and under to be skewed. Uh, but yeah, so his whole career, he's had one season in the actual top flight where he had two assists. Um, no goals, but yeah, I mean, that's not really his job. So, uh, I'm assuming he might be used a bit going forward, but I, uh, who knows? And then defensively, I'm not so sure how to really check a lot of defensive stats. So I don't know if I'm going to waste my time with that, but I assume he's worth it. Um, hopefully, hopefully, you know, this is very similar to the Kai Wagner move coming from the same sort of level of Germany to come over to MLS. So if he makes a move and he plays like Kai Wagner, who has good uh, goal contribution stats as well, then this is a very solid signing for Sporting Kansas City. 
Yeah, no, there's a lot of people excited about it. I remember there, there were guys that spoke highly of him and written about him. So I'm excited to see what he said. I'd like you said, Jordan, I think if you can find like a Kai Wagner, man, you hit the jackpot. But they also went in and added Nemanja Rodoha, who's a, a defensive midfielder. So that's something that they really missed having around last year. Ilya Sanchez, uh, I believe, was a couple years ago. And then they had Isamat Murin and Uri Rossell spent some time there as well. Uh, Matt Mirren, I think, was more center back, but I think he could kind of fill into that space in the midfield as well, play defensively. But, I mean, it, it just seemed like they were just trying to find some stop gaps. Uh, but I think they, they're they starting to kind of figure out that they need some more defensive help, and I think more will be on the way. I just don't think it'll be until the summer. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what we're we're looking at. They did – you know, uh, did we mention the losses? They they lost Mirren, Rossell, and uh, Vunovic, right? Uh, they they lose three of them, but they do sign Liebold or Doja. It feels like they have some huge increases thanks to Polito coming back. You know, and everyone being healthy. You would hope that this feels like a new club. So, kind of looking ahead to twenty twenty three here. While they are uh, maybe a little healthier, they, the, the other issue is that maybe their aging core, right? That this is maybe still a team that's kind of on its last legs. Uh, Peter Vermees just had one of his worst years with the club last year. Um, what is, will they struggle as much defensively in 2023? Uh, you, you write here that there is one healthy center back with experience because uh, Ford had ruptured an Achilles out for the year. So maybe that's still a concern. Maybe they're still going to ship goals, but maybe they'll also be able to score some more now that everyone's healthy. So any question marks or things that stick out to you that they should try to address before the season or maybe that piece in the summer? I think they're going to have to rely on like enter MLS kind of moves, like maybe signing some free agents or finding somebody that's off contract and come in as center back depth, just because I think that they're going, they're obviously they're going to have some issues with having just one center back that has had MLS experience, the other being a backup to him and then a younger kid. So I, Courtney Ford, Jordan was one of those like really high level center backs, like uh, his, projection this year was going to be pretty high just because I think he's impressed a lot of people in that organization. You hear a lot about how Peter Vermees talked about how special he had been and like he was looking forward to his growth this year. Um, and he really did think that he could become one of those special center backs in this league. But now you're looking at a poor kid that, I mean, we've gone through this with a couple of uh, young, uh, and I believe Courtney Ford's American, but they've gone through a couple of now where Miles Robinson, same, same thing, ruptured Achilles. I mean, it seems like it's taking people out left and right. It's a pretty common injury here uh, in soccer, but uh, it's a, it's a season ending surgery. It's a season ending injury. Um, I'm just really afraid, Jordan, that they're going to ship a lot of goals again, and, and they just can't afford to do that because I don't think their attack is like, I think their attack is decent. It'll be interesting to see how Willie Agata continues and see if he can kind of take that next, next step forward. But I think the biggest question mark here for me is, are they going to be able to stop leaking goals? Cause Tim Melia is, is, you know, aging. I think he's 36 or seven. So uh, an aging goalkeeper, an aging defense, uh, Graham Susie's still playing. So it's like, you know, how much longer does that last? Johnny Russell, same thing. Like it, it seems like they've got that same, it's, you know what's sad, Jordan, is that they're not a market. Well, 
I say this and then they almost went and got Cristiano Ronaldo, but they're not, they're not a market that should attract some of these world superstars. There we go. Again, uh, I'm sorry, SKC fans, but you, you shouldn't, it should be a tough place to kind of get guys to sign that are big time players. And I think that's kind of the issue that they're going to have going forward, just because I think that this team is an aging roster and it's oftentimes hard to cut the fat. And I think some of the fat still hanging around is kind of what, uh, kind of hampers his team a little bit. So, Yeah. Uh, so what, what are we looking at for a successful season then for SKC? Uh, in my opinion, it has to be back in the playoffs is my goal for SKC. Okay. You can say you had a down year last year because of the injuries, because of blah, blah, blah. Right. But now you have to prove that, okay, that was, that was a outlier and now we are going back to where we were we were third in 2021 2022 was an outlier we're going to be back to now maybe not reach third but i'm like a fourth a fifth a sixth you want to be in the playoffs again is where i'd probably put a successful season for sporting kansas city i agree I think playoffs, getting back into it, you know, what, what, however many freaking playoff teams there are. I'm so tired of doing this um, <laughs> guessing thing. Um, but I think even when it is nine teams short, just making the playoffs, because I, I think that they could get dangerously close to what they were last year, just because I, I, I have very little faith in, in age because father time always wins. So I, it just seems like this team, while they might've added a nice piece and I got to, I think that, it just I'm afraid of the aging roster. I'm afraid of what happened last year being the same story that's going to be written again this year just because they haven't added much, and then they go and lose one of their top center backs, and I don't think they're going to be able to replace it with any kind of quality until the summer. But then you've got the issue of, like, that's going to be where they're going to spend their allocation and, and that time is finding somebody in that, in that instance. And if one of their attackers go down again, like a winger, like if Johnny Russell can't play this season or, you know, something happens there in the midfield, where do you go? right where you turn. So I, I would say a successful season is the playoffs. I'm just not sure that this team is quite back to what it used to be. All right. I guess let's move on to Houston Dynamo. Their head coach is Ben Olsen. This will be his first year in charge of the team. Uh, reflecting on last season, they finished 13th in the West. Uh, Nagamora went from Sporting Kansas City to manager to the Houston Dynamo for his first head coaching job on a big stage. And Logan, he was let go in September. So there was five games left, uh, it looks like, here for him when he got let go. And uh, at that point, it's kind of like, why even do it, I guess? But whatever. Uh, so they had an interim manager from September to November 8th when the season finished. That was Kenny Bundy. And now we got Ben Olsen. Ben Olsen, most known for his manager career, 10, 10-year stint at DC United from 2010 to 2020. He wrote out the DC United uh, manager career for 10 years and was really kind of inconsistent throughout those 10 years. 
he finished with a 34.92 win percentage, 132 wins, 94 draws, 152 losses out of 378 games. He did win a U.S. Open Cup as a manager and won uh, the manager of the year the following year. But his stint at D.C. was a lot of times make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, miss the playoffs type of type of situation. And it came to a head where D.C. had to let him go. Well, now it's kind of the issue of will Houston give him time? Houston needs some stability. Logan, do you know how many managers they've had since 2019? I would guess six. Ben Olsen is the six since 2019. That's four years, by the way. Do you know how many head coaches they have in their whole career as a club in MLS? Eight. 2005. I'm going to go eight. Close, nine. They have nine managers in their almost 20-year history. Six of them have managed in 2019 or later. So not great. If I'm running down the Houston managers, you had Dominic Kinnear from, of course, 2005 all the way up to 2014. He helped lead them to two MLS Cup wins. Uh, You had Owen Coyle that lasted not even two years, 2014 to 2016. You had Wade Barrett, who was an interim manager in 2016. Wilmer Cabrera from 2016 to 2019. Davy Arnold, who was the interim from August to October of 2019. They had Todd Ramos, who somehow lasted two years, uh, October 25th to November. <laughs> oh my God, I'm reading these stats. How did he last that long? Okay, October 25th of 2019 to November 4th of 2021. Logan, Todd Ramos had a 17.5 win percentage, which is the lowest in Houston Dynamo history, by the way. Paulo Nagamora had took over for Tao Ramos from January to September with a 27 win percentage. And then Kenny Bundy as interim leading to Ben Olsen. So a lot of not the opposite of stability, instability since Dom Kinnear left almost 10 years ago. They've also had new general managers. They've had new managers. You know, Pat Onstad took over as GM in 2021. So he is on his, uh, I guess, second manager, if you're not including Kenny Bundy. So we'll see how far that goes. But we got, what, new ma- new owners that came in. They had a whole rebrand that didn't really affect how the team played, right? What, when we look at last year, and they finished 13th in the West, they didn't give their manager even a full season, what are we looking at for this club? Like what last year was a disaster, right? Pablo Nagamora didn't really have an identity. They've never had an identity under Tab Ramos. They're still searching for that identity. They even went through brand changes to try to fix that problem. Uh, You know, I love when teams do that, when they think that the issue is the branding (laughs) behind their team, not that they think that, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But they think that a brand, change will make the fans forget just how abysmal they have been um and this front office has just been atrocious like they they go and they're hiring the wrong people right they're, they're grabbing as much as they can as far as um, 
players are concerned. They're throwing money and splashing cash, but not at the right players. Sebastian Ferreira, I think, is a decent signing. I don't think he's one of those earth-shattering players that, you know, say like a Sebastian Jerusi is next door. Um, but I, I think he is a player that uh, could provide some consistency for this team going forward. But there's really not much on beyond that, right? Because you had Fafa Pico, um, who I think is a, a pretty decent player, but they could never get him going um, in a way that they really should have. You've got a guy... Uh, like uh, Hector Herrera, who they were awful when they got him last year, but it was because they couldn't figure out how do they play him in that central midfield and how do they get him involved in the attack where he likes to get into the middle of the pitch, likes to create distribute to those attacking players, but he could never get to those attacking players because their link-up play is so poor, right? Their defense is so bad. Uh, they just don't have a, a great fan base, to be honest, which is really sad because you'd always said that they had a really strong fan base up until about a certain point when – I think fans started to lose trust in what they were doing in Houston. So I think similar to what, you know, is happening in Dallas, I think that the fans just don't have the buy-in. The players don't have the buy-in. The ownership never bought in. You know, they're 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 spending random cash, and I think that their two good signings that they made last year just kind of overshadowed by their poor performance. And without D.C. United and without the Quakes, this is easily one of the worst teams in MLS. And Jordan, looking forward – to kind of what's going on, you know, can they build on anything that was successful this year into last season? No, like that's what's really bad about this team uh, is that there's really not much to look forward to from 2022. And we'll kind of get into that as we preview the next couple parts. But uh, yeah, no identity, never had one, never will, I don't think. So it's it's kind of sad. Yeah, you mentioned some of those departures, right? Fafa Pico is gone. Darwin Quintero is gone. Tim Parker is gone, right? They lost like half of their squad. Now they let's look at the arrivals. So they sign attacking midfielder uh, uh, Amin Bassi from League uh, League Two side from uh, France, FC Metz. They also acquire Paraguayan international winger Ivan Franco on loan from uh, on loan from club uh, Libertad earlier this month. They bring in Arter. They bring in Franco Escobar from LAFC. Brad Smith, Andrew Tarbell. And I will say, I actually really like a lot of these signings. I think that this is kind of putting them more on a path of a little better. Like I think with these additions, plus if Ben Olsen's, you know, he's been away from the game a bit, a couple years, uh, two to three years, where maybe he's had some times to kind of reflect on what wrong, what what went wrong in DC. And if he's able to kind of flip a switch and some of the signings that have come in can help along with another good season from Sebastian fair, who maybe makes a leap, you know, 13 goals and three assists. Maybe it's more like 17, six, right? 17 goals, six assists. Maybe it's a bigger leap than that, but you know, having that type of season, I could see this team improving, right? But you know, looking at how it was last year, I think it was a good move to probably get rid of Nagamura. As much as I was kind of harping on, on how much the instability has been, Ben Olsen is a more proven manager, and he's a more proven manager than Tav Ramos. He's a more, you know, like this is kind of like one of the premier signings they could have made for an MLS-specific manager at this moment in time. So I actually am looking forward to this team in 2023. Not like, I don't think they're going to be like hot, you know, but I think that going into this year, there is some stuff to maybe look at. And I think they are a wild card in the West where I'm looking and thinking if Ben Olsen has a good year there, which 
that means next year would be awful for them. But if he has a good year this year, then this team could be hovering around a ninth place if that's a playoff spot. It really is going to depend on that. And I think at this point, we're kind of learning that we should probably be leaning to nine playoff teams. I think the fact that Jim Curtin even kind of mentioned it, I think that kind of stuff is making me lean towards this is probably going to happen. And I think that this team can hover around that spot. And for a successful season, if I'm picking what is successful for them, you know, they were just one, one point above San Jose, who was a disaster. Uh, from being the worst team in the West. Now they're going to have St. Louis join into this conversation, but I kind of like what they did more than I liked what the Quakes have done at times. So I think they should still be above them. And I think maybe they should try to be hovering around that ninth place. I don't think they have to make the playoffs for a successful season, but I need to see growth. I need to see growth in this team. I need to see the new people do well. I need to see Ben Olsen be on his A game. I need this team to be looking much sharper than they've looked in the past few seasons. Yeah, I mean, I'll kind of counteract that one with the, just the fact that, like, I, I'm Minnesota. I'm concerned about, but I don't know if they fall that far. Maybe they do without Reno. So I don't. I don't know. Um, I think it could kind of teeter on that uh, disaster season uh, for Minnesota. But then I look at the other teams that finished above them. Sporting Kansas City, I think, gets a little bit better than they were last year. Seattle's definitely going to be better than they were last year. I think Colorado Rapids, I, I think, get better with the infusion of all sorts of different new players coming in. Um, and I do think they take another step forward. Uh, I, I would say Vancouver is one that I'm concerned about. Like, I'm always concerned about Vancouver um, just until they prove that they can be more consistently in the playoff hunt rather than chasing the bottom of the table. And then if you look at Portland, I think they're an aging core, but I think with a Vander and the way that he looked in the preseason the other day the, from the clips that I saw, I mean, he looks pretty special. So I think Portland steps up. I think RSL made a good signing today um, in the defense, and I think they, they've they taken another step forward. I, I just feel like it's just San Jose, Houston, I would say Sporting Kansas City and maybe Minnesota kind of in that mix with Vancouver too of just teams that could have uh, kind of a rotten year. The other ones I just don't see it happening to. So you, you kind of look at that. I think St. Louis is still kind of a coin toss because we just don't know enough about them. I like some of their players, but I think they, they kind of don't have that star, you know, star player that this league really needs. So I, I would be concerned about St. Louis as well. But it, it just seems like this team – regressed from what they kind of had last year. I thought Fafa Pico was a really good player. Memo Rodriguez, Memo Rodriguez was pretty good defender in the, sorry, in the central midfield. Not great, but a good little piece to have there. I know Hector Herrera's there now. Um, I know they go and add pieces. Uh, Artur is a good defensive midfielder. Um, I'm just not sure he's in the prime that he used to be. So you kind of worry there. Losing Tim Parker is huge for them. Uh, St. Louis got a gem. I think with Tim Parker, I think he's, a great center back in this league. Um, maybe not as good last year just because this team was awful, but I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm still really down on Houston. And let's not forget, I mean, you and I were not high on the Ben Olsen signing. Like it, it wasn't like it was, you know, like you said, it was probably a, a good spot for like a specific MLS coach. But like if you were looking to make a, a sexy hire, it was not Ben Olsen. It, this is more of like a – one of the you know what he feels like Jordan he feels like a Sam Allardyce where he's kind of like brought in to kind of stabilize and then I think it's a safe hire yeah. I, I I think I think I think he's 
I think he knows Pat Onstad. I think Pat was a player at one point that he was a player. But anyway, I, I do think that, like, yes, I was kind of down on the Ben Olsen signing because, you know, I mean, there was a time where he was linked with uh, Toronto after Greg Vanny left, and I was like, that would not make sense. Bob Bradley made sense. I think for a Houston team, Ben Olsen makes more sense, and I think he can, like I said, maybe I was more down on him at the time of the signing. I'm kind of feeling more good about it now with some of the signings they made and i think just there are some like go back if if people want to go back and watch classic matches that have been also manager managing there is kind of a more clear style there there's a, a more disciplined team at times where i think he can maybe sort out some of those uh you know issues but it's not enough needle moving that i'm thinking they're going to be winning the west or anything i think they can, if it's nine playoff teams, I think they can hover around ninth and probably end up finishing 10th or 11th. But that's an improvement from 13th, especially now that there's going to be 15 teams in the West. So just kind of my thinking on it. But let's move on to Dallas. Head coach is Nico Estevez. They finished third in the West. Huge improvement. They allowed only 37 goals, which was the second fewest in the league but they only scored 46 goals, which is similar to the Rapids crew and Miami. So they finished with 53 points, which was 20 more than 2021. And it is the largest year over year improvement in club history, besting the 14 point improvement from 98 to 99. So reflecting on last year, that is a huge success and probably beat any of our markings that we had for them uh, in our preview last year. I think we had the Texas trio, like not very high. <laughs> like we usually don't. Um, I think we gave a little bit more of a leash to Austin just because we felt like some of their play in 2021 kind of leaked into 22 and boy did it, but we'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, I think with Dallas. Yeah. Like I think Nico Estev has finally found an identity for Dallas and its defense. Like I think it, it was pretty much let's get nitty gritty and let's just hold teams to uh, a low amount of goal output and we can win some games. Um, and they did. They were one of the best defenses last year in the league up against the Union, which was really impressive just because, I mean, the Union felt at times historic in the way that they defend. Um, so I think that Dallas being able to do what they did was a major improvement, but uh, also kind of fascinating. Um, it just, it really just spoke to, I guess, the, um, Prowse on the on the defensive end, uh, all anchored by Jordan Matt Hedges. So um, an interesting one because he's now gone, uh, which is what we'll kind of talk about. But I, I think, yeah, I think Nico Estevez finally found what, what makes this team tick, and it's let's get physical, let's you know blow teams up and just try to score more goals than they do while holding them to you know one or two, um, if that. So. Yeah, Matt Hedges and Franco Yara have left the club, but they bring in Giovanni Jesus and Sebastian uh, Ibaga, right? Um, who was a free agent uh, and signed a two-year deal. So there you go. But is it enough, right, to flip this? You know, there's no real replacement for some of those players that have left. So can they get more production in the attack? 
Jesus Ferrer had a fantastic season last year with this kind of new, you know, they brought over uh, Areola right from DC. They kind of reshaped the team a bit and they were linking up. They were having good play, but that was a career year for uh, Jesus Ferrer. Is that possible to happen again? And if it does, when does FC Dallas cash out? Because we've kind of ripped on them before a few years ago when they were constantly just selling their right backs over to Europe and two in a row, right, without even having any plan. And some of those have, like Brian Reynolds has not worked out overseas right now. He's kind of in limbo wherever he is. That didn't work out great for the player. Worked out great for the club with money. But the issue is then... When do they make that switch? When do they sell on Jesus Ferreira? Because if he has another year like last year, or even, God forbid, improves and scores even more, the, the big money offers are going to start coming, I think. He's so young still. Yeah, it always shocks me how young he is. And and I think so many people are quick to kind of write him off because of the U.S. men's national team. He he Now, he doesn't... He hasn't really translated that game that he's played in MLS to the U.S. men's national team. But now you're I do think you're now starting to see a little bit of that leak over. And I think the confidence that he gets within the league, it'll help him tremendously in Dallas. But I think with the U.S. men's national team, one thing Jesus is very good at is hold up plays That's six assists. He's so he's combined for 24 goals, uh, whether he was uh, uh, goal contributions um, last season. So 24 um, for a team that scored some 40 something, um, which was not great, um, is pretty good for Dallas. Uh, I think, Jordan, looking at this team, one of the big question marks that I had was just Jesus Ferreira needs to take another step, which is wild to me because he's had 18 goals last season. But uh, without that, or Paul Areola making a jump, I think that there is some concern that they just don't score enough to be one of those top teams in the West or the East. Like, I, like while they might sit there defensively again, I just don't think that their attack is going to be as good as somebody like LAFC, Austin, Philly, Red Bull. Like, I just don't feel like they've got a big, a good enough attack, which is crazy because they do have some options, but it just never has kind of translated into this team that's just banging in 50 some goals. Um, they kind of sit in a weird spot where, I mean, I think they just finished around the crew, like production wise on the attack side. So, They've got options. They just need to figure out how to kind of unlock some of these players. Um, and I think that they can, but then some concern comes again because they lose Matt Hedges. Like that's a huge loss in the defensive, you know, back line. So I just, it, it's a weird balance. I just don't know if Dallas really did anything to improve what they had last year. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, like Ibiaga, you know, from LAFC coming over as a free agent. So I think that can be the Matt Hedges replacement. Um, I worry more about scoring goals, actually, because I don't, it's rare to have another year like Jesus Freire did, or even, like I said, improve. So kind of worrying more on that end. And losing a depth piece like Franco Yara, you know, is kind of like, okay, that was another center forward option that you could have used. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if they've improved, but I would say looking at 2023, I think this is another, I think that you should see no clear drop off. I mean, like, you know, they should. Yeah, I think this is a top. 
Yeah, this should yeah. not be an SKC situation yeah. where they go from third back down to 11th. They should be able to, I would say, they're probably still favorites for a top four team in the West is how I would probably say it. And if I'm looking at what would be a successful season for them, I'm looking at that in particular. I'm looking at a top four finish and maybe when we're looking at the playoffs, it's making it a little farther, right? They beat Minnesota on penalty kicks. They lose to Austin in penalty kicks. Uh, no, in normal time, sorry. Uh, 2-1 that Austin beat Dallas. And I, I'm thinking maybe if you want to have a real successful season, top four with maybe a conference final. Right. Like, I think that is like a level the of they've always kind of been the bridesmaid and never the bride in the sense of when Oscar Prayer was there, they would win supporter shields. They get bounced out in the playoffs. They need to start being able to get to. I mean, they lost to the Rapids in the 2010, was it 2010? Yeah, 2010 MLS Cup final when two Western teams could end up in a final together. Crazy times. But, um, you know, they were a favored team then and they couldn't get it done. And it's like they have to start making these jumps. So I would say fourth in a conference final would probably be a huge success. But if I'm, if I don't know what fans are expecting, like, are they happy with just fourth? I would say they probably want to see growth. They finished fourth, they just missed out on a conference final. So I am going to say fourth and a conference final is success for this club. Yeah, um, I don't know, like they, they finished behind LAFC and Austin, uh, third in the West. I just don't like Jordan. If you look at this, if you look at the starting eleven, right? I mean, it, it goes Ferrer at the top, Velasco, Ariola, and beside him, Pomical, Legette, Quigon, and then you've got Farfan, Martinez, Ibiaga, and then Jesus with Paez, who's been one of the best goalkeepers, and I think people forget how good he's been. He plus he put um, is it Jim Mauer? I forget the guy's first name, but um, their backup goalkeeper is Mauer. He's, he's been a staple for that club for a long time until this kid shows up and takes over the number one spot. I think it's Jim, um, but I, I, I could be wrong. And But I've been looking at this uh, starting. Is it Jim? I thought so. Um, I wanted to say, uh, was it Paul Mauer who was the baseball player? <laughs> I think. Oh, uh, no, no. You Joe Maurer. Uh, Joe Maurer, yeah. That's who it was. Another J, yeah. Yes, I wanted to – that's who I would, I would call him. But anyway, looking at the starting 11, Jordan, you look at Jesus Ferreira, I, I just – starting there, like, he's no Sebastian Jerusi, and I hate to do this to them because they're, they're in-state rivals, but they're not Sebastian Jerusi, right? Like, he's not that next-level player, and I don't think they have a Sebastian Jerusi on this team. Maybe Jesus takes another step this year, but, Jordan, if he takes another step this year – He's at 18 goals. He takes another step. He is Sebastian Jerusi. Like Sebastian had 22 goals last year. So if he takes the next step, you're looking at then yes, Dallas can be that number two, number one spot maybe even. But I just don't. Out of the games I've seen out of Jesus, I I, I love Jesus, but I don't think he's on that level, and I don't think he reaches that level. But it, it just it's interesting because I think, like you said, they're they're always playing second fiddle to somebody else. I, I think they continue to do so here. Yeah, I, I mean, I think 
it's more reasonable if they go from third to fourth if they make a deeper run in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think that that's a possibility more than them maybe leaping to first or second. Yeah, I think is, so. Is what I would kind of think. Uh, but I guess let's move on and talk about the last team here, the last team in Texas, Austin, who under Josh Wolf, uh, second season had a hugely wolf out was not a thing last season like it was the first season and they had a huge leap a huge leap but they ended up getting smashed in the western conference final by lafc three nothing which kind of left a bitter taste in the fans of austin i I think like in the mouths of austin fans i felt like they were like we're riding this high of finishing second in our second season and getting to a conference final and then for that game to not even be as close as we kind of thought it could have been ended up leaving a little bit of a bitter taste. I think now they've kind of gotten over that a bit. I think they're ready to look ahead and think, all right, now we have a real shot at maybe winning something like a supporter shield or maybe make an MLS cup final run, right? Which is what I was rooting for. So that way Philly could have hosted the darn thing last year, but we have what was a historic great season, something that will live in Austin fans memories for a long time. Driussi, like you said, had 22 goals and seven assists. He played spectacularly. The team itself scored 65 goals. They were like scoring five goals a game at some point and their defense gave up 49, which is not terrible, but not great. Right. It's kind of in that middle kept it under 50 right that's the big thing keep it under 50 in mls so what do you have to say about 2022 for austin logan it was a huge success yeah massive uh you and i i think we were just like we need to make the playoffs this year austin like i think that was your next step (laughs) they blew everybody away like uh, a historic turnaround like you said i mean just uh no team's ever done this where they've gone from being completely irrelevant to just all of a sudden world beaters. I mean, teams were teams hated going to, uh, what is it? It's not, is it Q2? Yeah, that's Q2. Um, I always can't remember which ones lower.com and uh, West end and Q2 and Q that and Q and on. And, uh, uh, <laughs> lower.com is, is Columbus. Yeah. And then what's since he's called TQL. TQL. That's the one I get it mixed up with because of Q2, but Q2 a hard place to play. It's warm. The atmosphere, I would I would argue, Jordan, I would argue one of the best in the league. Um, I think one of the top uh, fan bases in this league as far as home crowds are concerned. They show up, they show out, they sold out. I mean, it just it felt like this team was just destined to be great, and they were. Like everything about them. Sebastian Jerusi had a historic season, 22 uh, goals scored um, for the Argentine. So it was just – it was an amazing season. It was one that I think they'll never forget. And I think they're hoping to kind of build off that success this year, which is even scarier because of how good they've been, how good they were last year. Um, Just the fact that Sebastian just owned this league. uh, And I think he could do so again this year. So I'm excited about where Austin is headed, really excited about the season they had last year, Um, but kind of looking forward to talking about maybe some things that uh, Austin can be concerned with this year, because I think there, while there's a lot of positive Jordan, there's a lot of negative with this team. Uh, and so it, it'll be interesting to kind of go through this team and kind of preview what's going to happen. Yeah. So they, they end up losing 
Cecilio Dominguez, which is not a huge loss, right? And then they lose Jared Stroud. Uh, Felipe Martins went to Orlando, right? Andrew Tarbell left. Ruben Gabrielson left. And Jite is gone. But in comes Adam Lundqvist from Houston. You get Leo Vaisen. 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 I think it's Vaisen, yeah. From Elfsborg, Jassy Zardes coming in at center forward. Will Bruin coming in at center forward. I like both of those a lot. They also sign Alfonso Ocampo Chavez, uh, and they also sign Amro Tarek to the team. So out of these additions, I really like the Zardes. I really like the Will Bruin. These are depth pieces, right? Like Zardes might start a few, right? He might start a lot. But Bruin is not going to start that much. He's going to come off the bench. He's probably going to give you a few goals, which you need down the stretch. I really like these two signings. And they're MLS experience. You're not hinging on some sort of hope that a player from Brazil is going to come over and adapt immediately, like that they tried to do with Pochettino, you know, in that first season, and he didn't really cut it. This is... I think really great additions to the, which like we said, wasn't an issue really, but I think the more that you can have on the attack and bench options for somebody hurt, uh, somebody's tired. You have these games. We're going to have leagues cup. We're going to have open cup. We're going to have, they're going to be in champions league. These are the type of things you need, right? If you're in champions league, you need to be able to have a pretty big bench because you're going to be playing Sunday, Wednesday, or Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for a good chunk of the time. And then you're going to have a huge Leagues Cup season as well. Yeah, I, I think, Jordan, what they did last year is they went and they looked at, and I guarantee you this is what happened, they looked at LAFC, who smashed them in in the Western Conference Finals, and went, okay, what are we missing? Because uh, my goodness, what growth, right? I think you, I think as you, uh, as an office fan or Aust, office fan, yeah, as an Austin fan and an it's office over. fan. We are screwed. I'm really impressed with how quick you pulled that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, for those of you that don't know on StreamYard, we actually have clips when Michael Scott's saying that. But no, if you're an Austin fan, Jordan, I think you're okay with that bashing in 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 the western conference finals because i think every every hero needs a good villain and i think lafc is that villain and now you know you know in movies jordan when like you go and you try to fight the villain the villain absolutely just decks you in for the first time around because you're like what the hell was that right when bane beats up batman and the dark and he goes i was born in it um it was- i'll give you a better example but- you're, you're playing a video game where you get your ass kicked and then <laughs> yeah. you have to be like oh we have to restart that one i do now right is kind of the yeah kind of the way yep 100 percent. so i think that's what this is i think austin looked at themselves in the mirror and did a great job of being honest and went okay what do we need to make that next step lafc lost chicho rango that's a massive loss for lafc 
I think, and Aust- apparently, Abamyang is not coming. And yes, he said he's staying. Right. So LAFC's got a massive hole that they're not going to be able to fill until at least I think the summer with anything comparable. Um, and then that'll be interesting because Europe will have just ended. So anybody they bring over from there isn't going to be ready to play. So it, it just I, I think Austin looked and went. Giazzi Zardes is a great addition. Will Bruin, great addition. Right. You already have Diego Fagundes, who had one of his best years he's ever had last year because of Sebastian Girudi, uh, Jerusi. You have Maxi Irudi. That's a fun thing. Um, and Maxi played well. Nine goals. What a hell of a backup he is, right? So you've got all these people, Jordan, that like they've got no positions for half these guys because they're so crowded in so many different areas that it's – I mean, this team is stacked. Depth. Anybody gets hurt, I feel like there's a lot of viable options. Jazzy Zardes will play underneath Jerusi, I believe, in that starting, you know, kind of like that double striker kind of situation. I think the biggest thing for them is Rigoni. I think him coming in last season late, he played seven matches, three games he started. He just wasn't that great. Um, Emiliano uh, Rigoni, who was a DP. And I think that's what sucks is that Austin had to go and spend that spot on him because I think if – if they waited until this winter, I feel like this team would be like LAFC level where they go and find somebody else. I think that kind of fits that system better. Rigoni could, but I, I just didn't see it in those seven games. But again, it takes a little bit to get adjusted. Who knows what happens in this 2023 season? But um, I do have concerns about Gabrielson, who was one of their best center backs um, or one of the best center backs uh, in this league. So I, I worry that losing him is going to be massive to that back line. And they already didn't defend as well. Um, I, I just, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but Jordan, I, I think, I actually think that this is the Western conference for Austin to lose because I think LAFC will regress a little bit just because Chicho has gone and they just don't seem to have the same magic. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, you know, of course, Dallas had better defense than Austin last year. So if there was a chance for Dallas to make a leap, it would be with Austin maybe giving up more goals and not scoring as much and maybe turning some of those wins into draws or losses for them to be able to leapfrog them. That's probably the downside for Austin is I don't know if you can finish. I, I think looking at the squad, it's a good squad. They can finish second in the West again, but I think you might also see just a little bit of a dip. We don't know how much the Reina situation is going to affect them. You know, who was signing these players? Was it him uh, before he officially stepped down? Was it, uh, you know, did he step down earlier than he did? All of that kind of stuff. There was some scandal there that Austin kind of got roped into. But I would say, looking at it, this team could probably repeat with a second place finish. But if I'm them, I want to make MLS Cup. I want to be the next Atlanta United. I want to win this thing super early in our history and say we are the next team that like the next MLS team is going to look at and say we want to model ourselves after Austin when they come into this league. That is what my goal would be for Austin. If I'm looking at a successful season for them, they definitely have to still finish top four. And then I'm thinking, you have to, even if you just get to the Western Conference final again, you have to put on a better showing than 3-0. And I think that's probably the goal. It doesn't have to be reach MLS Cup final. I'm sure that's their aspirations, of course. But I think they're going to be adding on CCL. They're, we don't know how anyone is going to adapt to the League's Cup yet. 
I'm thinking a top four finish, preferably top two, with another Western Conference final appearance. Scoreline would be a huge success for their third season in the league. Completely unacceptable. You got to win the league. No, I'm um, but no, I, I I look the rest of the West, and I I think Dallas does regress a little bit just because I don't think they can really outperform what they did in the attack. I just think it's going to be pretty average or maybe even below average because, or I'm sorry, not below, but below what they did last year, just because I think Jesus is not the person that he was. Last. I just I, I'm not convinced just yet. Uh, I want to see another season, so I, I still feel like there's there. I still feel like there's. Uh, in both sides right that it's it's three teams it's the union at the top of the east and everybody else underneath and nowhere close i don't think um and then you've got lafc and austin and then below them again i don't think anybody's close so i think those three teams right now are just so good so talented so deep uh the union got deeper austin got deeper lafc was already deep they just lost a couple so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what your feeling is. I know this is a more of an overall, but I feel like those three teams are the cream of uh, what we probably, I mean, it's ultimately what the, the cream of the crop for MLS, but I think everybody else is kind of trying to catch up to them. So uh, yeah, it could be an interesting this season. And then if you look at it, if Sebastian Jerusi takes any kind of regression here, then I think you're right. I think that then you kind of go, okay, well, he can't be like that, like he was last year, but Maybe what he can't be, Giazzi can. I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like, you, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the, the three teams that I just mentioned, but I, I feel like those are the three teams that we're really looking forward to this year. I think it's tough because it's very rare for it to ever be the same top three teams again. So I'm not sure I can fully agree now of course when my previews come out they might look like those top three up there just because it's hard when these teams have depth like that but it's tough it it is tough because it's MLS and there will be a team that probably comes out of nowhere like Austin did that we're going to look at and be like man this team really turned it around this team is looking pretty darn good Orlando's I mean, we, gonna be great when we see them. They could. I mean, could. Here, so yeah. the thing too is right. There was two Western teams that were like that last year, which was Dallas had a huge leap, Austin had a huge leap, and this is why they play the games, right? It's hard to look at these standings and think it may not shake out too much different than it did this year because while Seattle is going to improve, they also have an aging core still, right? There's still an issue there. So while we expect them to make the playoffs again, who knows? They should improve, right? But I'm thinking for Austin, they're, they're going to look pretty darn good again this year. And like I said, they should probably be... I would think finishing in the top four. And if I want it to be harsher on them, I say you have to finish top two again, but they're still such a young team and like maybe not young player wise. They do have some youth that way, but I mean like a young team in the sense of a club in the league, this is only their third season we're going into where this is something to kind of look at and say, Hey, you got to be really good this year. It seems kind of harsh. I feel kind of bad saying they have to get to a Western conference final again, but I think that's a compliment to Austin fans of how good this team was last year. And I'm sure that look, Austin fans were woof 
how season one. So I'm sure they have heavy expectations going into this year. Um, I'm sure most fans are thinking we should be able to overtake LAFC this year is what I would think. Um, Cause I can potentially see a drop off there, but it's, it's tough. It depends on if they're favoring something like the champions league, right? If you're LAFC, are you favoring a champions league? They get a buy. They don't have to worry about a group stage for the league's cup. They can go right into the knockout stage and maybe make a healthy run in the league's cup. There's so many opportunities for trophies for LAFC that maybe Austin can steal a top spot in the West, but uh, success wise top four get to a conference final again, I think is what most fans would probably be really happy with. Cause it's not like a, it's not like a full progression the way we've seen like the union continue to have progressions each year, but it is a progression in the sense of let's get, let's get a little further or let, you know, it's so hard to say MLS cup or bus for a team. That's three years in uh, is my point. I know I just rambled, but whatever <laughs> your thoughts, Logan, anything before we wrap up, up our Austin or, full previous here no i think uh i think we covered it all looking forward to the next show jordan we got st louis nashville cincinnati chicago and the crew on the 15th so we're going to do that wednesday we're hoping to have some guests on but again it's usually just waiting on some dms so we just don't ever really know until about the day before so i did send a message hopefully we get some st louis guys on talk uh the new expansion club and then jordan our last uh, our last team preview uh, episode is going to be next. I guess is that Monday? Yeah, Monday. Monday uh, the Red Bull, NYCFC, Philly, DC, and the Revs. So looking forward to that. I think we're going to try to have Todd. I think you said on for. Yeah, I'll reach out. To Union. Him. I reached okay. Out to him yet. So haven't reached out to Todd yet. We're just kind of mentioning his name, but. <laughs> Yeah, throwing throwing you under the bus, Todd. Yeah, uh, so can't let Todd, us down now. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. always fun to have Todd on. But then after that, Jordan, uh, I think next week, obviously, we're gonna have to have the season preview. It's either the twenty second or twenty third. I think we decided. I think Wednesday, but I can't remember. So, oh man, it's coming. Some new kits have dropped too, so that's exciting. But other than that, nothing else to add. Sorry, I'm reaching out to him right now. Oh, okay. I was like, are you? I thought you were frozen because you're doing a really good job of saying still. But now looking forward to it. Guys, if you haven't checked out my Orlando City podcast, you can definitely check that out. I am a Orlando City uh, fan podcast. It's called City Beautiful SC. So if you are out there listening and you want to hear some Orlando specific things, uh, I just started a podcast and I just dropped the, the third episode, which was the Orlando preview that Jordan and I did the other day. So looking forward to that one uh, you can skip the third episode because you just heard it on our show but that's true yeah it's true did you add anything to it did you yeah i added some stuff yeah talked about okay so go back and listen to it anyway absolutely (laughs) so you can reach us on at stateside show on twitter instagram facebook you can email us stateside show at gmail.com I hope you all enjoy watching or listening to this episode. We got two more season previews to go before we do our huge prediction show. And thank you all and have a great rest of your week.